Back in the spring of 2015, when a series of powerful earthquakes and their aftershocks shook Nepal, a video of a particular rescue effort emerged and soon went viral over the internet. It showed a team of soldiers and volunteers working to reach a four-month-old baby boy from the heap of rubble that used to be his family's home. He had been trapped for 22 hours. At the time, what stood out to me was the frantic urgency of the men who worked, some with their bare hands, to free this infant. As they dug by what sounded like his distant cry, but what was in actuality just a couple of feet beneath them. You could feel their desperation on the other side of the ocean through a computer screen, as well as their sheer joy when they finally managed to lift this live child caked in dust and dirt into the light and into the arms of his parents. The effort revealed the best of what we do for each other, the tirelessness with which we rally all of our resources, physical, emotional, communal, to sustain life. What's perhaps most striking in the gospel text that we encountered today is the immediacy with which those first disciples responded to Jesus' call. Do you all understand those fishermen? Because I certainly do not. Just about every major life decision that I have made involves conversation with friends and counseling from mentors and sometimes even detailed color-coded lists that make a visual of the pluses and the minuses of all the possible choices and all of their alternatives. They've involved discernment that lasts for months, if not years, and a lot of prayer. So this story, as a model of discipleship and calling and vocation, poses a challenge for me. And I think it poses a challenge for the church and the denomination that I love because we are a people of great and protracted deliberation with all of our committees and our subcommittees and our task forces, only then to proceed to another level of committees and subcommittees and task forces. We are a people of great deliberation when it comes to things as big as ordination and marriage rights and how to minister with immigrants in our midst and as seemingly small as carpet color and whether to forego coffee during the fellowship hour in the summertime. We are good at thinking and educating and discerning a way forward. And it's virtuous. It is often faithful work that results in greater effectiveness and sustainability than it would have had we marched boldly and quickly into the future. And 
And we have this story in Matthew of Jesus calling his first disciples and the evangelists' emphasis that they left everything immediately to follow Jesus in backwater places, feeding and healing and teaching, crossing boundaries and proclaiming good news that frankly wasn't really good news to everyone and getting into a lot of trouble. So without losing or bemoaning something that is a staple of our tradition, without losing the value of careful, thoughtful, long discernment, we must still, for the sake of faithfulness and its cousin, justice, grapple with this story and the immediacy of response that is lifted up as a hallmark of discipleship. Where in our lives have we too fiercely claimed the virtue of discernment when actually the call was clear and what we lacked was courage. Pastor and writer Willie Duane Francois III puts it this way. Sometimes Jesus' call has an intrusive quality. We have to live in a posture of flexibility and adaptability because we don't know when God will expand our life to see other shores. Many people anchor their lives on familiar shores by committing too much of their energy to cautious preparation when God may want to move instantaneously. Too often, people of conscience and goodwill deliberate themselves into stagnation. We spend our energy thinking about divine directives and invitations instead of pursuing them. It can be dangerous to spiritualize inaction. We can clutter our hearts with thoughts that weigh down our feet and cuff our hands. We rightly began our worship this morning with a moment of silence for three children, a 16-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a 6-year-old that we lost in Hickory Hill and Orange Mound this past week. It's striking to me on this day when we consider this passage. Communities like ours have prayed for a long time, and some have committed to study, and some have even dared to ask the question, is what we are doing as a society working? Is this working? Could we in this alternative community, our community of faith, risk taking a stand for something better. And communities that bear the brunt of the violence continue to wait for the lawlessness that plagues our society to dissipate, for the violence to stop robbing them of everything, for the crushing poverty that breeds it to be lifted for their neighbors in adjoining neighborhoods to take notice. What will it take for this to be urgent? They plead with us. Of course, for North American Christians, this 
calling of the disciples story and its emphasis on the urgency of proclaiming and enacting the gospel comes right on the heels of MLK Day, which we celebrated last Monday. When many of us read Dr. King's infamous letter from a Birmingham jail and words that convict us year after year after year. We know through painful experience that freedom is never voluntarily given by the oppressor, he wrote. It must be demanded by the oppressed. Frankly, I have yet to engage in a direct action campaign that was well-timed in the view of those who have not suffered unduly from the disease of segregation. For years now, I have heard the word, wait. If the calling of the first disciples is a story about not waiting and spiritualized inaction, but about urgency and responding decisively and with purpose, then it must also be about those things we necessarily leave behind when the way is made clear. Parker Palmer, a teacher and an activist, has spilled a lot of ink on the subject of vocation. And in his book, Let Your Life Speak, he shares part of his story. In his mid-30s, he had worked in Washington, D.C. for five years as both a community organizer and a professor without feeling at home in either of those worlds. He said, I had a Ph.D. and decent references, so finding a new job would have been no great problem, not in that time and place. But I wanted more than a job. I wanted deeper congruence between my inner and outer life. Seeking deeper congruence, he signed on for a year-long sabbatical that turned into a decade-long stay at Pendle Hill, an intentional Quaker community right outside of Philadelphia that focuses on the inner journey and nonviolent social change. If he was going to figure out what he was supposed to be doing with his life, certainly it was there among those seasoned discerners the friends or members of the Quaker church. But shortly after arrival and sharing his vocational struggle, he became frustrated by their constant and simple counsel. Have faith, they said, and way will open. He thought, I have faith. What I don't have is time for way to open. The only way that's open so far is the wrong way. So after a few months of deepening frustration, he sought an older Quaker woman's advice. Ruth was known for her thoughtfulness and candor. Ruth, he said, people keep telling me that way will open. Well, I sit in the silence, I pray, I listen for my calling, but way is not opening. I've been trying to find my vocation for a long time, and I still do not have the foggiest clue what I'm meant to do. Way may open for some people, but it is surely not opening for me. Silence. And then, I'm a birthright friend, 
Ruth said. And in 60 plus years of living, way has never opened in front of me. Parker felt himself sinking into despair. Was this whole Quaker process a big hoax? Was this not actually going to work? And then with a grin, Ruth continued. But a lot of way has closed behind me. And that's had the same guiding effect. Parker Palmer's discernment was, of course, about vocation in a narrow sense, finding the particular way he was called to live his life, which for him included a career. But the same wisdom can be applied to vocation in the broader sense, the vocation of discipleship that we have all been called to. What has to close behind us so we can answer the call of Christ affirmatively, with joy and with confidence? What way has closed behind you that you are grateful for today? What way has closed behind you, making you freer to hear Christ's call with just as much excitement as nervousness? What has closed behind you that has emboldened you to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ in our world today? In recent years, a number of biblical scholars have claimed that Jesus probably had been living in Capernaum, in and among those people, for some time before he called those first disciples and beckoned them to follow him, even though the text suggests a faster narrative. His knowledge of their names doesn't necessarily point to his divinity in this case, but to the fact that he, Jesus, simply knew these men and the strong likelihood that they had already been shaped by the touch of his life upon theirs. This unearthed historical information doesn't take away from the story with its emphasis on movement and the immediacy of response, but rather supports it, I think. The immediacy of their response is possible because these men have already accepted Christ's claim upon their lives. They already know their most important names aren't John and James and Andrew and Peter, but child of God. So when the call came one day, clear as a bell, follow me, it's time, they could go immediately because they knew and trusted the one who called them. And I imagine, though the particularity of the way opening to them was not especially clear at first, there had already been a good deal of way closing that preceded that moment of decision. Those fishermen wouldn't have followed Jesus into an unknown future if they didn't already know him. They wouldn't have responded to his call with a sense of urgency if they didn't trust him and the vision of a world made whole that he made plain versus a false way that had already closed behind them. So our invitation today may not be drop everything, follow me, or perhaps it is, 
but it's certainly know me and know your true name. The urgency of the day, the immediacy with which God implores us to act begins there. Thanks be to God. Amen.